Hello and welcome to another episode of Paradox, Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. I'm Dr. Dustin Smith and my co-host is Dr. Danielle LaPointe. Before we get going, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, which is Tickets Picket, the official ticketing sponsor or provider of the NIAAA. Um, so we, ha we have a little unique setup today and we'll get to our guest here in a minute um, and he may chime in. But let me just say this before we get too far into this. A man that can go by one letter is as cool as they come in my book. And that make, makes it easy for my friend, Steve mm. Throne, that he can spell and say that both. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get to Xavier here in a minute. But before we get started, we got to get, um, I won't say personal, but it is a little personal. I'm going to kick it to my, my sidekick, Danielle LaPointe, to talk about a little medical minute that we're, in, we're introducing in this episode. Yes. Um, unfortunately, we wanted to take a minute to kind of uh, talk about something that's personally going on with me, but I really think it directly speaks to athletic directors and coaches out there. So um, bear with us for a minute as we kind of stray away from our funny side and get a little serious. But um, I recently found out that I actually have um, some cancer on my face. It is where my ear and my face meet. So over on the side. Um, so last week on Wednesday, I went under surgery to have that removed. And the reason that I really want to get this information out there is because I think this is a direct correlation to me being a years of a PE teacher and a coach where we weren't allowed to use the gym. And I had to, to coach outside all day long. Then I went, I was an outdoor coach to being an AD where I didn't miss games for five years. And I was going right to games, right after school, making sure practices and things in the field were, were okay. Now, granted, I'm in Florida, but I do think this really speaks to everybody across the country where we need to say something to your outdoor coaches, to your younger coaches about taking care of themselves. Because what happened with me is even though it was a small spot, my hair is covering it right now. If you are watching this on YouTube, um, it did require a skin graft. So they had to take skin from behind my ear and my neck area and they had to graft it to my face I will show you um, but now I have a bandage that is actually sewn to my face um, it will be there for two weeks because I had to skin graft new skin there so while this is basal cell cancer it's most common and the best kind they say to get it has very real consequences and I'm currently dealing with that right now and I don't want any other AD or coach to have to deal with that. So if you are an ED, maybe talk to your outdoor coaches, um, wear your sunscreen. They have like a powder sunscreen that you can wear on your face now. That's a brush. So it doesn't sweat and go into your eyes. I highly recommend that. Um, but just be kind of mindful of it. Wear a floppy hat, whatever you need to do to protect yourself. But this is a very real thing that can happen in our profession. I'm in my thirties and this is happening and I don't want this to be, um, a common thing in our profession. So, I used to buy polos as a gift for my coaches, but maybe outdoor coaches, you should buy them one of those big hats or something. Just kind of think outside the box to offer them. Even some just words of, hey, don't forget your sunscreen would be a good thing because I don't want people to be as stupid as I was and end up in the situation that I am in. So let me ask this question, Daniel. Um, since you are a doctor and I'm a doctor, and sometimes you need a second opinion um, and people request that, but um, you call them a big floppy hat. Um, now across the country, some people call those boonie hats. 
um, which may be the big floppy hat. I don't know what Xavier calls them out in Nevada, but they may be floppy hat. That may be the technical term. I don't know, but I know them as a boonie hat in Arkansas. But they do cover, make sure they're, they're wide enough that they're covering the head and neck area, obviously, so the sun's not hitting it where it's not really doing any good. But um, I do think that's important that Danielle gets that information out there. As uncomfortable as that may be, um, we all get exposed to the sun. As ADs, we're outside, um, but our coaches so much more are out there as well. So be cognizant of that um, and and learn from this situation from Danielle. The good news is it's not life-threatening, it's treatable, and she's got it taken care of. So that's a, that's a huge positive, obviously, for this podcast uh, because Paradox with only one person is not a pair. So we don't get to make that. Single uh, doc doesn't well, work We'd have well. to change the name. Um, and then we'd, <laughs> we'd lose listeners and all of that. Fun stuff. But, um, I think it's important for our people to hear the severity of what this really is. We, we joke and we laugh, but there's some sincerity in this, in this at least beginning of this podcast to say, be cognizant of being outside and make sure you wear sunscreen. Even if it's not convenient, even if it's not fun, um, your health will thank you later. Yes, and I can't I can't stress that enough because coming you know right from college and going into coaching and um, I was teaching PE at the time, you know, that was the last thing on my mind. And now I go back and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't have a doctorate then. That's probably the problem. I right. Mean, I mean. <laughs> And I will, I will go ahead and throw this out there. I'm a doctor, but I'm not your doctor. So don't <laughs> trust any medical advice from me. Yeah. So I just want to, one of you see it. I tried to cover it up the best I could so nobody can see it. But it is a very real thing with real consequences. And um, just didn't feel right to not acknowledge it when we, you know, we talk about funny stuff, but we, we kind of get serious sometimes and get deep. And I guess today was my day to go deep, right, Dustin? Yeah, right off the bat. I mean, I don't know that I can swim out of that or not. But, um, that takes the pressure off me and Xavier for sure. Uh, that we don't have to get into the, the deep stuff to start with. But um, that was our PSA. Um, and, and we may have some reminders as we go throughout this. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, our goal is to serve athletic directors and help provide information for them. And this is a, a rather personal bit of information, but it's, it's quality information that we need to be aware of. So thank you, Xavier, for letting me, uh, you know, jump in on your on your episode there for a minute. Um, no, but I, uh, I'm excited to, about what you have to to show today. No, you're good. Listen, uh, a former PE teacher as well, former coach, and uh, you know we used to you know call them bucket hats. I mean, right. you know, uh, L Cool J used to rock them. Right. Uh, you know, maybe a little different. <laughs> um, but you know, maybe we can bring that back. And. Uh, <laughs> You know, but the sunscreen on the ears, on the nose, I mean, you know, a lot of people just put them on their arms, whatever, but, you know, the face is definitely, you know, that's the money maker. So you want to make sure you keep that right. <laughs> um, sunglasses are huge. And I know a lot of people, you know, they like, you wear long sleeves and it's 105 degrees outside. But hey, if you wear like that white long uh, sleeve, mm -hmm. um, that that mesh fabric, it's not that bad. And then, you know, it, it covers you up. It's just that extra layer of protection. So, you know, I hope you get better soon. I hope that heals quickly. Uh, but definitely there's a lot of us that are out there that, and especially in our 20s, like, oh, we're invincible. It's no big mm -hmm. deal. Exactly. Uh, I'm right there with you. 
But if, if you don't do it, then mama may knock you out or mama may tell you to <laughs> knock you out. We'll go a little LL Cool J on you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, and, and YouTube being, I mean, Arkansas, yes, we have some, but it's not like what you guys have on a regular basis. And, and we'll talk about where X is from here in a minute and, and discuss that. But the sun is real. And playing, you don't play around with the sun. It's undefeated. Um, so make sure that you uh, take your precautions. And if that's the bucket hat, like LL Cool J, um, and I appreciate X bringing that up because that brings me back to, you know, when I was in the mid-90s. And Danielle may not remember that, but I remember the mid-90s and what LL Cool J was at that time. But um, now I know who LL Cool J is. <laughs> Sometimes we have to culture her. We have to make her well versed, X. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you okay, that. Okay, well, let's see how well versed she is. What does LL Cool J stand for? Oh, wow. <laughs> I listened to him, but I don't know if I actually know what it stands for. Dustin? Um, I don't. I, I would be lying if I came up with it. Ladies love Cool James. Oh. Wow. I, mean, I, I did cool. not know that. Yeah, you know, a little, little information for you since we brought out LL Cool J. Yeah, just throw that. I didn't think I'd be talking about LL Cool J today, I can assure you of that. I, I like how Dustin tried to make fun of me there, but it really flipped back on him as well. So I appreciate <laughs> that, Xavier, very much. I mean, I, well, I, I, can't, I can't even change my name to something cool like that. Like, Xavier can go with X. You know, I just got, I got to stay with Dustin. There's really nothing I can do that can make my name sound cooler, but... <laughs> LL Cool J, now that I know, then, I mean, I got more respect for him then. I mean, that's that's, that's bold. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we've, we've had, you've, you've heard a little bit from Xavier. He's been dropping knowledge already, um, mm-hmm. dropping some truth that we didn't know about, um, <laughs> spitting some hits. I mean, he may be able to write a rap. I don't know, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're honored today to have uh, Xavier Anthem with us, and Xavier's out in Nevada, and we'll talk about this. And, and, and our paths crossed because of some mutual friends that Xavier and I both have. Um, Steve Throney, who's been a past guest on this episode, or this, this uh, podcast, Throney is, uh, he's large. Um, he, he commands presence when he walks in the room, and he would self-admit that he's 6'9", 16, whatever he is, and a biscuit and gravy shy of 350. Um, but he's a, he's a mutual friend of ours as well as Rich Barton, who's also been a guest on here, but Xavier's out in Nevada. We've talked about that, but Xavier also serves on the NIAAA board and he's the state coordinator. Um, so we got that in common. We've had some times that we've done some education. Um, and I'm excited because we haven't been to Nevada yet in the podcast. And this gives us an opportunity Mm -hmm. to, to run out there, run. Um, I guess is a key word with UNLV used to be the running rebels. I don't know if they're still referred to that or not, but uh, so we've got Xavier, Xavier, man, I'm pumped that you're here. Thanks for joining us. And how are you doing today? Man, I'm great. I'm I'm excited to be here today. And, uh, you know, I already talked about L Cool J. What's better than that? Yeah, we, we may have peaked early. Xavier. <laughs> I hope not, man. I hope I can bring it. So let's let's do this. This is a question I always like to ask when we have our guests on here. Um, let's tell. I mean, I can talk about you being on the board. I can talk about you being a state coordinator. You've been a, a PE teacher, coach. You you've done this. 
let's talk about what the resume is not going to tell us about who Xavier is. Besides the fact that we can just go by X, and that's what a lot of people call you. But tell us who Xavier is outside of the resume. Well, um, it's funny because, you know, you, you start off with my name, right? So Xavier Antheome, it's, it's not a common name. Oftentimes when you see Xavier, you think Javier because, you know, you know, he must have a Spanish background. But uh, my parents moved out to Las Vegas, Nevada, 1962, straight from France. Uh, my father uh, had a, his father worked for Air France and uh, said, hey, I have a friend that lives out in Vegas. He works for Foley's Berger. He's a sound and, and lighting and tech guy. You know, why don't you go see what's going on? Because in France, you know, there's not a whole lot of jobs. Vegas is up and coming. Hey, you should go out and, and check that out. So my father took the chance. And back in those days, you had to have a sponsor. You couldn't get like a green card or anything with immigration. You had to have a sponsor, somebody who would sign off and say, hey, we accept this person in and we want this person to, you know, be successful and we'll keep an eye on them. So uh, got sponsored in, in 62. My mom wasn't allowed to leave France until she was 21. So 63, she came out. And they got married in 64. And, uh, you know, when I was born, so I was born and raised here in Las Vegas. There's not many of us. I mean, obviously the town has grown since, but um, I'm born and raised here in Las Vegas. Um, when I grew up at home, I had to speak French. At school, I was about allowed to speak English. Back then we didn't have ELL. So I would have probably been termed ELL uh, as I was growing up. But, uh, you know, all our entire family lived in France. So uh, grandma doesn't speak English. So I had to learn how to speak French. Um, so, you know, just to let you know a little bit about me. I mean, family, as you can tell already, is extremely important to me. Um, you know, like to like this past June had to spend two weeks and had to listen to me. I had the opportunity to spend two weeks in, in France and, and see family and, and reconnect because it's been over four years since we've been out there because of the pandemic and everything. Um, so just just very uh, happy to, to say that I'm born and raised here in Las Vegas. I went to UNLV, uh, also known as University of Never Leave Vegas. And, uh, you know, but I'm happy to, to have got my, uh, you know, my master's degree here, my bachelor's degree here and, and just seeing this, this town grow. Um, but, you know, it's been great because um, I have a daughter, uh, my daughter, I only speak French to her um, because I want to ingrain, you know, and, and have her, you know, and understand where her roots are from. Uh, my, my, my wife speaks no French at all. Um, so it's just something that, um, you know, that I get to have the opportunity to, to, to kind of to teach her. Um, and then obviously going to France just to immerse her, to have her, you know, get with family, have to she has to now speak in French to her family, which is a little challenging. She doesn't like to talk to me back in French. You'd rather just go, which is easier in English. Um, but that's just something that, uh, that we've done. And uh, uh, just a, you know, a story that I know I kind of let you guys know about uh, beforehand was four years ago, I had the great opportunity to uh, go to Russia and, and go to the World Cup. And uh, soccer is big in our family. Um, I did not have the opportunity to play soccer. My high school did not have soccer because it was brand new and it only had football. Uh, so uh, did not have the opportunity to play. I had to play tennis instead, which was fine. Uh, but yeah, so went to World Cup. I'm going to tell you, if you ever had the opportunity to go to a World Cup, I encourage it. Qatar 2022 might be a little challenging, not going to lie. Uh, I'm not going to make this one, but I'm definitely going to make it when we go to Canada, United States and Mexico. Um, and I'll tell you what, we went to, I went with my father, he was 78 at the time and we went and watched, uh, Denmark versus France. 
uh, was a zero zero was the, like the worst game you could go to, but it was just the, the unity that you could see from everybody wearing their jerseys and singing and dancing. And um, everybody was together, even though we were against Denmark, man, we were friends with the Danish. Um, and he just had a whole bunch of other, you know, communities that were out there that were just up and representing. So um, what a great opportunity. I encourage it again, strongly to everyone. And uh, I'll tell you what, after we went to Moscow, we went to France and I was on the Champs-Élysées July 14th. And uh, that's when France won the World Cup. I'm going to tell you, I had an interesting experience on that. I was trying to go to Paris to go to the Parc des Princes where uh, they had all these TVs set up so that you could watch the game since obviously the game was in Moscow. And uh, they had way too many people, so they shut the park down. Um, so I couldn't get in. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So I tried to walk around and I trying to find a bar, maybe something anywhere that I could get in. And uh, just along the Champs-Élysées, there was a bar and it was an open air bar and they had a huge TV. Um, so here I am with a whole bunch of other French people just kind of just standing in front of a bar watching the game. And it was some, a, a memory I will never forget because obviously France won. Uh, my wife and daughter, they were at the Louvre and they came out, met us up and then pandemonium just broke out. <laughs> chaos. But it was controlled chaos because everybody was excited, thrilled that we had won. Um, I mean, people serving champagne uh, out the windows, pop, you know, shaking bottles and, you know, popping champagne tops. Um, it, it was amazing. We were supposed to go to the Eiffel Tower, the top of the Eiffel Tower to have dinner uh, that night. Supposed to meet my parents there. And uh, they shut down the Eiffel Tower saying, no, we just won. Uh, we can't let anybody in here. So uh, that was another challenging story as well, because uh, here I am trying to find my parents who we don't have cell phones. Uh, because we're in a different country and my parents, you know, technology at 78 is a little challenging, as I'm sure you were aware of. Um, and uh, didn't meet them up, but I got a great picture of my dad, like, you know, fists up saying that we won, you know, kind of near the Eiffel Tower, showing that he was there. We kind of did something similar. So that was kind of neat. Um, and then I'll tell you what happened was we jumped on the metro on the train track to get back to where we were staying at my aunt's house. And people were going berserk. They were jumping up and down and shaking the tram and we're, we're squeezed in and tight. Uh, my wife was having a little anxiety attack. So we actually had to get out and go like fish upstream to get out. Um, and we luckily, I found like some people left at a bar and we jumped in and sat down and uh, just kind of let the wave of, and the mass of people just kind of leave until we can find an appropriate time to get out. So uh, just a, a story I wanted to share, just to, just to kind of share that, hey, you know what, just experience is kind of what we're all about. Uh, vacation, obviously going out to, to different locations and uh, family, got 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 to be big with family. So like what I said- What a cool experience that is. Uh, hey, listen, it's a, a, an experience I don't know if I'll ever be able to recreate because I don't know if France will ever be in the in the World Cup finals again. I mean, I hope they are. And then for me to be, you know, on the Champs-Élysées when they hopefully win again, I don't know if I can ever recreate that. So, you know, definitely a, 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 an opportunity of, of great uh, just awesomeness. So I want to go back, X, to your parents going to Vegas and leaving out there. And, and I've heard, I mean, you said it's you never leave Vegas, and that's <laughs> what UNLV stands for, but – I've heard the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So I guess you are the exact, I mean, you, you <laughs> live that out. What happened there stayed there. So you've been there the whole time. Yep. Like I said, born and raised and, and I'm happy. I mean, this is, 
I've just been able to see the town grow and expand and um, a little concerned because the water in Lake Mead is kind of starting to run dry a little bit. So, uh, you know, people stay in your places. We don't have enough water right now or else, you know, I need to do some rain dances to get some water in, uh, in, into this town. But yeah, no, nah, it, it's great. Um, a lot of people think like, hey, you must live at the hotels or whatnot. Like, listen, we never go down to the strip. We never go downtown unless we have family in town. Um, you know, but it's awesome. I mean, you can go to concerts because we got constantly people coming in to, to you know, to to do a uh, a concert or a show. Now we have the Raiders in town. You know, the Legion Stadium is awesome. And the Raiders have been tremendous, especially for the Clark County School District. Um, we've got the Golden Knights. I guess other hockey franchises are upset that the Golden Knights are trying to make the their games like a like it, it's a show. And it is a show. And it's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, we got the Las Vegas Aces now, WNBA. Um, they had actually a great thing this past Saturday with Title IX, which was awesome. And uh, like I said, we're just trying to expand. We might get the A's. I guess the Oakland Athletics might be coming to town pretty soon. So they're trying to figure out an arena for them. And then, um, I don't know, they're talking about NBA potentially expanding to Vegas. So Vegas is definitely the hot spot. Like I said, concerts, um, shows, and now we're adding all these athletic you know, venues. I mean, growing up back, you know, when I was growing up, you didn't have a local team. There was no local team except for UNLV. Um, and now we have all these, you know, professional teams coming in. So kids that are being born here now can say, hey, you know, I am a Las Vegas Raiders fan. Where before I would, have, you know, I have to tell you I'm a Pistons fan because we had no other option out here, you know, back in the day. There wasn't anything but UNLV. So uh, definitely, you know, it, it's growing, expanding. It's awesome to see. So, Xavier, you dropped some knowledge early about the meaning of LL Cool J and what that stands for. But I, as those that are looking at YouTube, you can look over uh, Xavier's right shoulder, and it's a home plate. And I'm going to ask this question. Do either of you know how wide home plate is? <laughs> I'm not much of a baseball guy, to be honest, so I can't answer that question. Danielle, do you know? Is it, isn't it 24 inches? No, it's not 24 mm -hmm. inches. Um it's unique because it's 17 inches from Pee Wee until the major leagues. So it doesn't matter. They don't change home plate depending on your level. Home plate is always 17 inches. Just file that away for useless knowledge later in your life. But um, I've got a long story I could get into about that. But I just <laughs> wanted to make sure that I – I mean, Xavier pointed out my lack of knowledge. So I wanted to just go ahead and kind of let people know. I still know some things. I don't know if you're going to be able to talk about that. My knowledge might be more useless than, uh, than what you might have shared with us. <laughs> 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 but I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I wasn't <laughs> sure. And I'm still not sure where you're going with that. <laughs> so we've talked about, Xavier, you're out in Las Vegas. And if people don't know where Las Vegas is, I don't know where they've been in this world. But mm -hmm. um You've, you've stayed out there. You've enjoyed out there. What what has, other than that being home, um, I, I'm from Oklahoma originally, and Arkansas is not far from Oklahoma, and I call myself an implant in, in Arkansas. Um, but what what has been the draw to stay in Las Vegas? Because a lot of people may say, hey, Las Vegas is great to visit. It's great to go for a couple of days and then get the heck out of there. But um, what what has made you want to stay in Las Vegas? Um, well, my parents, you know, they, they moved out here and obviously they live here. And I guess if I were to move to, you know, Oklahoma or Arkansas, they probably would follow me. Um, but, uh, the draw, I guess you could say is, 
Uh, number one, we're only a few hours away from San Diego. So if I want to hit the beach life, I absolutely can. LA is not far. Uh, if you go the other direction, you have Utah right next door. So you got Brian Head. So if I wanted to go skiing or anything like that, even in town, I mean, we're 45 minutes away from Mount Charleston where you can do some skiing and snowboarding. Um, you know, we had the lake, which, you know, a lot of, you know, boaters and jet skiing. So if you want to do like the water activities or whatnot, and like I just, like I said, I mean, you go to the strip, I mean, I could catch a concert and, and who knows, you know, who's coming in town. Um, so, you know, it's like, and I'll tell you what, a lot of people come to Vegas and say, oh man, Vegas is too hot. And then they leave and go back. But the cost of living life in Vegas is too good. They all end up coming back and just saying, you know, we try to, to leave and we just, you know, everybody keep, keeps wanting to come back to Vegas. So, um, and then personally for me, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I grew up here. I went to UNLV. I got a job out here. And then, you know, once you're in the district, listen, I'm going to do my 30 years and, and retire and then go on <laughs> to do something different. Um, I don't know what that is yet. I still got to figure that part of my, uh, my life out. But, hey, to say that I uh, can retire at, you know, 53, listen, that's not a bad thing. I, not a lot of people can say that. It's kind of the pauses of working in the school district. So I kind of had the idea of maybe going the college level early on in my career. But, you know, once you, you know, find find a person that you want to be with and kind of, you know, start establishing your life. And uh, it's not all about you. You got a family to think of. So roots are planted, man. I'm not going anywhere until well, retirement. And if LLG, LL Cool J brings back, if he, you know, has a throwback concert, you might be, he might do it in Vegas. You might be I'm able to get my Kango hat on, you know, I'm going to represent inside. <laughs> you might have a sign that says, I know what LL Cool J stands for. <laughs> Pay me five dollars. I'll tell you what L Cool J stands for. Man, man. <laughs> well, let's let's talk some stories. I mean, you told us a great experience that you've had, <clears throat> and I mean, I, I I think that's what's great about sports is just the experience that people can have. And you think about even Danielle being a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, and even though they got beat uh -oh. in they got beat for Lord Stanley's Cup. Um, too soon. You know, just too experience soon being in a game for that. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got people who live in Arkansas. Arkansas was in the College World Series, and so they were living and breathing everything about Arkansas baseball at the time. And that experience of being in Omaha at the World Series, or being at Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series, or any of those sporting events, I think athletics brings out some experiences we don't get to we don't get to experience on a daily basis, you know, going to take a math test. You don't get to have the experience of winning the world cup and what that really is, is like. Um, so sports provides that. And I know you've got a couple experiences. I know one experience we're going to get to at some point, we're going to get to talk about, um, but let's talk some stories. Tell us some things that people may just be like, did that really just happen in the world of athletics? <laughs> Well, I got three that I'll share with you, and then uh, I kind of go in order of, of, of when it happened. Um, so, uh, like, I guess I'm going to give a brief brief part of my, my resume just real quick is that, uh, you know, like Danielle, listen, I was a PE teacher. I taught two years elementary, opened up a brand-new middle school for three years, and that was a big thing. You know, you talked about Vegas, man. It seemed like every year, like, more schools and more schools were popping up. Uh, currently, we have 30, uh, 36 high schools, 57 middle schools. We're the fifth largest uh, school district in the nation with about 320,000 school uh, kids in the school. Um, so after I did my three years at middle school, I went to the high school. I got recruited to the high school at Liberty High School uh, in Henderson, Nevada, and uh, spent seven years there. Six of those, I was athletic director, you know, PE teacher. I was coaching tennis, coaching basketball. 
And then Chaparral High School was a school that uh, was considered uh, a turnaround school because it had a 34.2% graduation rate. So what they did was they cut 50% of the staff. So 50% custodians, administration, uh, you know, teachers, everything. It's 50% cut. I was asked to come over. I'm like, why do I want to leave a school that we just did such great things and we're starting to build? Life was good to go to to go to a, to a school that's a 34.2%. And they just recruited the, the heck out of me and said, hey, listen, we want you to help us bring us back to, you know, where Chaparral was because Chaparral was one of the, the major uh, 90s and 90s. They were winning everything. And, you know, now they hadn't won much. So uh, went over there. I was an AD one year. I was coached golf. I didn't want to coach golf, but we had nobody else that wanted to coach golf. I just wanted an AD only. But I got suckered into coaching girls and boys golf, and there's more to that uh, moving forward. And then, uh, and then after that, did my one year. Went two years as a dean, uh, 2,500 students. You know, dean of discipline by myself. Um, that was another experience. That's a whole another segment that we can go on. Uh, and, and the things that you see and the things you can't make up. And that's that that bring a camera crew with me as a dean and i will show you some reality tv <laughs> it will be a huge market seller but uh, after i did my two years again stayed at chaparral and then i became an assistant principal and i'd say one of the first meetings that i had was listen i was an athletic director at liberty high school i'm an assistant principal i've known everybody essentially on campus life is good our, our graduation rates moving up we're, we're heading a great trajectory Listen, I need you guys to tell me about the good. I need you to tell me anything that comes up that's bad, anything that's really ugly, because I can't catch a left hook when I walk into the office and not know what's going on. So communication was something that we really wanted to make an emphasis on. And, you know, if they had any games of concern that, you know, they felt like I should be there, obviously I'm going to be at most of the home games anyways. But if there's just that game, let me know. I want to be there. I want to support you. Right. So uh, three stories I got for you. One is about bowling. I know that sounds kind of like he's going to talk about bowling right now, but I'm going to talk about bowling. Um, the year prior to me becoming athletic administrator, uh, our team was involved in a state championship for bowling. Uh, we had a bunch of juniors that were really good. And at the time, the NIAA had made a, a statement that you were only allowed to bowl in certain amount of matches. And then if you surpass that, then you would lose your eligibility. Well, during a state championship, apparently the – uh, bowlers uh, on the Boulder City side, which is a, a community that's not far from uh, from Henderson, Las Vegas, or about a 30 minute drive. Uh, they had a really good team, found out that one of our bowlers had kind of exceeded those limits and whistle blew right before the state tournament. So we had to kind of put a renegade kid in that wasn't very hot, ended up losing it. So um, coming into this coming school year, they said, hey, uh, we have to go and bowl at Boulder City. Can you be there just to, to protect us in case anything odd or crazy goes down? I'm like, sure, you know, no problem. It's bowling. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'll tell you that, you know, we've got a plethora of hotels, as you're aware of here in Vegas, and there's a lot of places that have bowling alleys. And the place that we go bowl, there's like 52, 56 lanes. I mean, it's just, it's massive. It's massive. Well, we went to Boulder City. There's eight lanes. And eight doesn't seem like, you know, hey, you got eight lanes, but... It's eight lanes in the size of a cafeteria. I mean, it was just exactly eight lanes that could fit in there. And I think the whole town of Boulder City, knowing that we were there and we were the runner-ups, were there inside that bowling arena. 
uh, and I can't even call it an arena. I'm just uh, that bowling space. Um, and, uh, you know, myself and my athletic director, you know, we, we made it a point to, to be there and we got in there and I'm like, and I think they were shocked that we were even walking in They're like, who are these guys really chaparral brought administration to our bowling match. Uh, yes, we're here. We're going to support. We're going to essentially protect. Um, and you know, bowling, we think about it, you know, kind of when you watch bowling on TV, everybody's kind of like pretty quiet. All you hear is like the banging of the, the ball against the pins. No, nah, they had signs. They were cheering. There was cheerleaders. I mean, this was a ruckus. I never thought bowling was going to be this crazy. And, uh, you know, I told you a little bit of a story that I had to coach golf. Well, when I was a golf coach, I had a young man who was a, a student of special needs. Great kid, quiet, smiling, like nothing bothered him. Like he was oblivious to everything. And he was a hell of a bowler. But it kind of overwhelmed him a little bit being in that uh, scenario because you know, hey, golf, you're by yourself, kind of, you know, coach is kind of following you around in the car. And now bowling, it's just like, hey, I'm with my buddies and I just get to roll this ball and I'm pretty good at it. And people aren't very loud. They're kind of respectful. But this was not the case, as I said. So uh, coach is a little bit concerned about the young man. So uh, went over, spoke to him. We had a good conversation and talked to the team, essentially said, hey, it's noisy for both teams. And let's just focus on one thing is it's getting this this ball that you're really good at throwing and making sure you knock those pins down that are in front of you. Because once you knock those pins down and if you knock them all down, that's going to make the crowd quiet real quick because we're going to knock them down more than that. And for him, it was just like, okay, I can do that. And I said, hey, listen, and, uh, you know, my athletic director is not quite the size of Steve Throne, but a, a good sized gentleman. Too. Like, <laughs> I brought Mr. Blotus with us too. And uh, he's here to make sure that we're safe and secure. So you just got to handle your business. And you know what? We ended up winning that match. And, uh, you know, even with the Ruckus Arena, we took care of business and we won that state tournament that that, that year as well. Uh, we had, like I said, a bunch of juniors the year prior that now are seniors. And it was it was just our time. So um, I was very fortunate that my coach had the forethought to say, hey, please make sure you're at this match. And it was a it was a good deal that we were there. So. Did they have walk-up songs when they went bowling? Because I think, yeah. you know, baseball, they need them. I think they'd be great in bowling because some of those environments, they get intense like that. There's people cheering. Mm -hmm. There's people. And then I like when they mean mug after they bowl a strike. They'll turn around and mean mug whoever they're bowling against, just kind of saying, hey, I, I did that. Uh, I, I think it'd be a great addition to have walk-up songs for each bowler. That's funny. But you know what, though? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give kudos to the kids, man. They were high-fiving each other. Even though they're competing against each other, they're right. giving high-fives to each other. So it's not the kids that were causing the concerns or issues. It was the parents. It was the coaches. It was the, the, the mm -hmm. additional students that don't know bowling etiquette or what have you. Um, no, nah, the kids were great. Kids I, were did, uh, I, was, I did my um, student teaching in New York City, and you're required to do coach two different sports um, during your student teaching time. So um, one of the sports that I, I was coaching was bowling because that's easy to do in New York City. Um, and I, my expectations of it were very different and, and I experienced something very similar to what you're talking about. It was a very great atmosphere and parents were there and it was supportive. And it was actually really great memories of, of coaching those kids um, in bowling matches. They get, they get intense. Indeed. And it is a team, a whole team atmosphere like you're describing. So, um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So that, like I said, uh, that it was just, 
it, it was it was cool like for from an outside observer like man this is awesome um but when you're like the kids you're like oh my god this is not what i'm used to and mm -hmm. like i said for our special needs student it was just like a sensory overload like i don't know how i'm gonna do this i don't know if i can bowl and no you're going to bowl because you're one of our better bowlers right? <laughs> we, <laughs> we need you on the test at hand, and that's gonna be knocking all those pins down well, um, and kudos for you being able to connect to that kid and saying, hey, we need this and let's let's just focus on what you can do. And you can throw this ball against those pins and mm -hmm. we need you to do that as many times as you can and knock down as many of those as you can. And that's eliminating all the environment. Yeah, it was a little loud and noisy, but it was a personal one-on-one -on -one discussion with a kid to say, here's what I need from you. And it may, it, it spoke to him because he was able to do that. And, you know, it's all about building relationships, whether it's building a relationship with coach, with the kid, um, you know, even though you're not coaching, you know, you're the coach of the coaches and you want to be able to support not only the coach, but the kids as well. And uh, like I said, it just it was just it just happened to be that young man that I happened to coach, you know, during golf season. I kind of knew his his quirks and his nuances a little bit. And he was just a good kid. That I, I just want to bowl coach. I don't know about what all of this is going on. <laughs> but, and it speaks, to vol it speaks volumes to being able to know your kids and mm -hmm. make an investment and being intentional with those kids. Um, another coach in that environment may not have been able to speak to that kid like you were able to because you had coached him previously, um, because you knew how that kid was going to react. You knew, as you said, his quirks and nuances, the things that were going to be unique to him you were able to identify and be able to have that relationship with them and say, Hey, this is our focus. Forget about all this mess and chaos around us. It's still like shooting free throws. It's still, you're that far from the goal. Nobody's depending. All you got to do is roll the ball down the lane and knock down those pins, which you've done hundreds and thousands of times. Let's do that again. And just to see his smile too. Once he, he, he rolled a few ones in their strikes and just to kind of look back and smile like, coach, I got this. I mean, yeah. oh, man, you know, got caught me right in the fields. I'm like, listen, buddy, we got to take this. Let's go. And I'm, and I'm sure your coaches were really grateful that you were there because not only was it, you know, a large crowd, but they might have needed you to help with that child as well. And, you know, anything else that could come up. So overall, that's that's very supportive for your kids and for your coaches. Yeah, I just think the coaches were more concerned about like any funny business, like, hey, trying to call our kids out for, you know, bowling, which they actually did away with that regulation the following year, um, which is crazy that it happened to us. But yeah, they just they just wanted to, you know, be it, it's I'd rather be overly cautious and, mm -hmm. and be, you know, proactive in that situation than, hey, you know, getting a phone call and say, hey, you're not going to believe what's going on right now. Can you get here? I'm like, listen, I'm an hour away. Um, it just, you know, it'd be too late. So, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I got to experience an eight lane, uh, an eight lane bowling alley uh, <laughs> that, you know, like I said, we're not used to. It's like 52 lanes over at the Orleans. And that's where we have our state championships at. And that's where our regular season matches are typically over at Samstown, which I think they have like 56 or 60 lanes out there as well. So just, it, it was just a, a totally different experience. And it's generally not as chaotic as that. I mean, you don't have it packed. Even for state tournaments, and in Arkansas, there's not just there's parents, and there may be a few students, but it's not just a mass against you um, or your team. And when you're in a small confined environment, it may have been 
with 56 lanes, it may seem like a normal crowd, but with Indeed. an eight lane narrow area that you just have eight lanes and that's it, it can get chaotic and packed really quickly in a small, small amount of time. Oh, for sure. For sure. So yeah, no, nah, it was, uh, like I said, it was something that's going to stick with me for, for quite some time for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, nah, life is you good. Could, you could have had some LL Cool J and said, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> when you guys went and won the state state championship or when you beat them with that day, whatever. Um, yeah. Could have been some LL Cool J hits uh, yeah. around there. Yeah, mama say knock you out. Let's right. know if, you mess with, <laughs> if you mess with my son, listen, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> yeah. No. And then uh, – you know, the next story I was going to share was definitely going to be that the video uh, that I shared with you. Uh, okay, so I was able to get that. So let me share that right now. So you can, we, I can play it as you kind of, you know, talk us through that. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I maybe I should start while you're, you're getting that pulled up, Danielle. Yep, go ahead. So uh, basically, this is a basketball game that happened a few years ago. And we had uh, one of our coach, our, our head boys basketball coach said, hey, you know what? work it's just an important game for us uh last time we played them it was was a little bit of a challenge um you know he's a he's a good man that actually ended up taking my job after I left Chaparral we were kind of grooming him and he's just a a good man and his wife would um come to most of the games and when she'd come to the game she'd film a lot so when she would film I'd always make sure I sit behind her because number one I didn't want to be on the film and uh you know I just (laughs) you know, just kind of like to lay back in the, in the, in the background. So um, during this game, as you, I see you've got it popped up, um, there was one mother in particular that just was getting loud and she was really good. her. Yeah, it would be the young lady, yes, in the, in the striped shirt. And she was just getting real loud. And not only was she getting loud, then she started to stand up for quite some time. And then uh, the coach's wife said, you know what, I got to film her. I just got a funny feeling about this. I'm like, hey, you know, it's just, it is what it is. I'm not, you know, this is an away game. Again, uh, not concerned about it. This is not my event. I just want to make sure that our kids are safe and our kids are good. And, uh, she, yeah, so she stands up and then she gets closer to the court. Uh, the other team calls a timeout. And when the team calls a timeout, this mother proceeds to take it upon herself to see that she's just not happy. So what she'll do here, and I don't know, it's probably going to happen here shortly. She ends up walking across the court nonchalantly. like So she, nonchalantly, though. Like, like she's yes, supposed yeah, to be there. Walking across like, she, uh, you know, I just need to go to the other side of the court. I don't feel like taking the long way, so I'm just kind of yeah. kind of cut across. Mm-hmm. And as she cuts across... She makes I mean, she even, like, throws a wave out here in a minute, I feel like. Yeah, oh, hi. Oh, yeah, she's waving to, you know, some friends. <laughs> and then, as you can see, she gets right into <laughs> right into their bench and kind of pokes her head in. And what I'm curious about, the coaches don't do a whole lot. They just kind of <laughs> backs to her. And you can tell that she's obviously not happy. So she kind of wiggles her way into the huddle. Again, the coaches don't do anything. You can see she gets really upset. She's on the players saying that, hey, essentially they need to step their game up and and really kind of, you know, trying to get them fired up and really just kind of barking at them, to, you know, that they need to play better. You think she's going to go back, but she's not done yet. She goes <laughs> back. And the coaches, you see, they're just standing around. They're not doing anything. They don't acknowledge her. 
they, they just kind of keep her there. And she kind of, you know, game's about to start back up. And uh, she's ready just to kind of keep, you know, watch the game from the bench. As you can see, then a school police officer and the assistant principal over athletics ends up showing up um, and, and escorting her out. But, uh, but yeah, she just wasn't very happy <laughs> with the way the game was going. And, uh, you know, she had all the right to be because we were, I think we were, we were spanking them pretty good. Um, but wow, I am. I just so feel like there's there. a, there's a moment here where like, she really gets hyped. Like she's like, she just started, I don't know if she's yelling at the coaches. And at first I thought she was yelling at the coaches, but now I feel like she's yelling at the kids and the kids, the kids are listening. Yeah, if you can see the gentleman in a yellow shirt, he's actually there kind of like maybe describing like an out of bounds play or a side ball out of bounds play. And uh, she just kind of overtakes that the whole speech and really, and, and again, when she was in the stands, she wasn't negative or, or berating any of our, you know, our kids. She was just wanting to see the kids hustle, work harder. Um, her message wasn't bad, um, but the uh, follow through and how she decided to, you know, all of a sudden be an assistant coach on the team or maybe even take the head job um, was definitely different. Uh, <laughs> again, so what, you, what you can hear in the audio version of this is you can hear the, the warning uh, sound for the buzzer that says, hey, you got 15 seconds, so you got to come out. And then she did it all within the time frame of the timeout. She didn't extend that past that. There wasn't a delay of the game. But as she walked across the, the, the floor, and she, as you guys said, nonchalantly, just like I'm supposed to be here, one official walks towards her, kind of at an angle with her, looks at her, and just doesn't do anything. He just kind of allows it to go on. And, um, you know, it, I don't know if that's been done before, if she's been kind of that she's the coach and she feels that way. But I watched the coach, the coach in the yellow shirt, as you mentioned, I'm assuming the head coach. Agreed. There was yeah. no reaction of, hey, keep her out. Get her out of here. Let's what are you doing here? It allows it to go. And the three assistant coaches just kind of, Oh, okay. Like it's no big deal. They move over. Like they like make space so she can get in the huddle. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, you know, and listen, I'll tell you what we did once we and we had that video. Coach shared with us, and she ended up putting it on, uh, you know, YouTube or what have you. Um, but that has been a teaching tool with our department uh, for the <laughs> remainder of the years. Like you will not allow this to happen. If we have any parents decided like come towards you or any of our kids, our kids come first. And you will, you know, politely let the, you know, parent know that they need to, you know, get off the sideline or, or what have you. Um, but, yeah, we're not going to let a parent just kind of hang out in our huddle. And see, and as you said, that was a road game for you. That wasn't a home game. So you're Correct. not, quote, unquote, the administrator in charge. Obviously, Correct. we tell our coaches or our administrators, you're not responsible for their fans. Correct. So when you go somewhere, you're obviously not going to know them. You're not going to know their students. And we're not going to put you in an environment where it's not going to be safe for you. But you notice, I even see some of those fans that are sitting around there. They act like it's no big deal either. They they saw like it was just something that happened all the time. And maybe it was, and it was unique for you guys. But I still can't wrap my mind around being an administrator and not having some kind of plan that somebody's not tackled <laughs> or that they prevent her from getting to that point. I mean, the fact that she was able to walk all the way across the court, get in the middle of the huddle and get in the middle of those kids. And then when the horn sounded, that's when the police came and escorted her off. Uh, 
I, I, I feel think like there's a lot of time between there that you could have addressed that long before they did. I feel like she was so, I mean, I want, I'm just like assuming, but I feel like she was so calm and she wasn't like screaming as she was running across the court. She was so calm. Like it's kind of hard to tell, like, is she just crossing the court? Like what are her intentions here? And I feel like maybe that's what like delayed that. I don't think it's okay. I'm just saying, I feel like that's what maybe delayed it. But yeah, it's a very, when I first watched it, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, huh, what's going on? And then I thought maybe she was supposed to be in the huddle. I thought maybe the team knew her because they didn't be like, oh, okay, ma'am, you got to back away and come over here. I thought maybe the team knew her and she was supposed to be there and this was an okay thing. And so obviously the police officer showed up, but yeah, that's a. <laughs> and I have to think, I'm just going to ask you this, X, as you, as you sat there watching it, because you said you were behind the lady filming and that was, that wasn't staged. She just was smart enough to pull their camera out and say, I'm going to, I'm on a video and there's a lesson in there knowing our coaches, mm-hmm. you've got to understand that everybody's a videographer now. Yeah, right. Everybody can can record anything that you do. So you gotta be cognizant of that. But you're sitting behind her as she's filming this. What's going through your mind in this in this process as you see her make her way across the court? Are do you have your inner AD trying to get up and trying to tackle this and say, hey, we gotta stop this, or do you just let it play out? Well, you're, you're like, I got up. I, I was up. And, and, you know, my number one concern, I think, Danielle, you might have said, my number one concern is our kids mm-hmm. and our coaches. Um, and I got up, but then I saw her, you know, V-line towards their bench. I'm like, and like you said, like, she was so nonchalant. It's like, you know, is she going to give her kid like a Gatorade or something? Like, <laughs> like, like well, what's going on here? Like, uh, you know, and I'm still trying to assess the situation. And again, didn't come towards our kids. And I'll tell you, like I said, when she was in the stands, she was just, hey, they, she wanted to see more hustle out of the kids. Like, hey, you got to box out. Like, like, she wasn't wrong in the statements that she was making because her kids weren't doing things that she was saying. Well, and I liked it when she rolled her sleeves up. That's when I knew <laughs> it was serious. At one point, she, like, rolls her sleeves up. And I'm like, oh, we're, okay, mama, here we go. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then when you see her go into the huddle, Again, she's not addressing any of the coaches. You see her addressing, I'm assuming one of them had to be one of her sons, and then addressing the other ones like, hey, you guys got to pick your game up. Like, you know, you guys aren't looking good right now. You know, this team's really kind of putting it on you. And seeing that, and, you know, and obviously when I'm standing up and, you know, I kind of see that I think one of the officials actually kind of stepped out to grab uh, the school police officer, and I think the AP was right there. So that's how, you know, things kind of move kind of quickly enough. You know, had it had she stayed there, you know, I'm likely going to go walk over to the AP and say, hey, I'm not sure if this is right. Um, You know, but not my house. Not, you know, you kind of have to tread lightly a little bit. Um, But like I said, it was a great teaching video that I've used in in our uh, in our staff meetings for our athletic. I feel like I have like two comments here. First, I'm like also thinking what it must be like to be her son in that situation oh. like yep. that poor child probably was mortified and my other my other thought is like she didn't do a bad job the kids were listening they were intense she had her sleeves rolled up she was calm until she needed to really pipe them up I mean did you offer her a job 
back door. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, but if you do have a parent like that, I think that you have to have the, you know, the witness to be able to kind of spy that parent, if you understand what I mean, kind of keep an eye on that parent. Mm-hmm. Or if you know that parent has made or, you know, is kind of loud or whatnot, that, hey, maybe you need to go up and just go into the stands and sit next to the parents, kind of have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, this is who I am. Here's what I see from you. Um, you know, I understand your your messaging and, and the need for that, but I just kind of can you kind of take it kind of take it a step down a little bit. Um, and obviously, I, I don't know if they had done like a, you know, we like to do preseason meetings with the with the families and everything, where you know we bring you know the the parents in and kind of give them our expectations. Um, I'm not sure if that occurred, but if it did, maybe a reminder of our expectations. Uh, I know some schools what they'll do is they'll break out the yellow card and say, hey you're on a yellow, uh, one more and you're out, you know, with the red card. Um, so I know that some people also give note cards where they have like, you know, kind of some expectations written on there so that, hey, here's just a reminder of what we're seeking and looking for. Um, I never use those, to be honest, but I also knew that I, if I had any parents that I had concerns with it, I wanted to make sure they knew who I was and, and where, what we want to do. And, and just, I wanted to make everything positive and, and try to be uplifting and uh, try to make it so that uh, it didn't get to that level. So <laughs> I think what's really cool is that once the timeout ended, she stood there like she was part of the coaching staff. Oh, like yeah. She, she was going to coach the rest of the game there. She just stood there like she was, this is no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know if the school police officer didn't come over, the AP didn't come over, and the game would have started what the coaches would have done. Well, they have moved over, like kind of given her own seat. Uh, I was going to say, it looked like she was going to sit down at one point. So I think she would have. I think she would have just stayed there. But yeah, that was. <laughs> what would the coaches have done, though? They would have been like, hey, you're fine. Just sit there with us. Hang out. You would have stood what? behind. As a matter of fact, why don't we invite other parents from the stand down <laughs> to sit with us as well, since, uh, you know, we already have one parent down here. <laughs> and I, I've had some coaches that may say, hey, you want my job here? Try it. You yeah. do, you're so smart up there in the stands. Come try it for a little bit. See how that works out for you. That's what some of my coaches may have done. Yeah, and you know what? They might. She might have taken you up on your offer. Right. Matter <laughs> of fact, let me go ahead and show Come you how to board. <laughs> get out of this man-to-man. We need to get into that 3-2 zone right now. We need to start trapping out of that. But it, it's very cool that you brought that video Um you know, so if if you want to see the video, you you can go watch this on YouTube. But um, it's very cool they brought the video because usually when you you expect to hear about a crazy parent that did this, it's going to be a lot more exaggerated and yelling and running. And this was not that. This was so calm. And it, it was the the calmest upset parent I've ever seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just addressing the issue right then. Why why wait, you know, 24 hour? You know, we always give the 24 hour rule. If a parent's upset, hey, 24 hours, let's meet the following day. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, let's get our, our emotions out of it. Nah, she was intent on handling it that right now. And no concerns with the coaches. She was concerned about the players not playing up to their abilities. <laughs> and I'm just amazed the coaches just stood there and let that happen. I mean, one of them kind of signaled a couple times to say, hey, it looked like Hey, we need somebody here. I don't know who he was signaling to, but it looked like he was trying to say, but the head coach, I'm assuming, was down there just trying. He was still doing his business. Hey, we're doing this inbounds play. He seemed to be unfazed by her presence at all. Even after the timeout and she's still standing there, 
he doesn't acknowledge her or nothing. He's just standing there just like, hey, this is everyday stuff here. Yeah. I would have liked to see the co- assistant coaches take a little bit more initiative <laughs> in speaking with the parent or just trying to, you know, without touching her, just kind of guiding her away yeah. from the huddle. Right. Um, you know, obviously the one coach, like you said, kind of signaled, but outside of the signal, he didn't even like have the, you know, you know. Well, and, and you're saying like she was saying good, positive things. Delivery was wrong, but you, we don't know that. Yeah, when you see it, you don't know, but like she was just like, come on, boys, you got to hustle. You know, I mean, she was being loud. There's no question. Obviously, that's why coach's wife started like, uh oh, like this is not going right. You know, so she, you know, you guys got, you know, it was just work harder, hustle. You guys need to box out. Like she was just more into the game and and the boys being successful than the boys were. And I think that was what was most upsetting. And I just don't feel like she had the, I think maybe if the coaches had shown more fire to get them fired up, she might have left it alone because she could see that the coaches were. But the coaches, you could see, again, in the video, they're just calm, kind of standing there. And then you just have one coach, like you said, you know, just kind of, you know, working on an inbounds play or what have you. Um, and I just think she wanted to see some more fire. And the only way that she was going to be able to make that happen is if she talked to them personally uh, during the game. Well, and I think it's a perfect example, too, of like, we can always say this is what you're going to do if something like this happens. But like when you're in the moment and it's happening and you're not even entirely sure of what's happening, because it's not like a textbook case of crazy, then um, you, you kind of don't know how you're going to react. And I'm sure those coaches didn't think <laughs> that they were going to do nothing. <laughs> but um, It's what a good video to use. And think about the way X has been able to use that for his mm-hmm. coaches, just training stuff for his coaches and his parents. Um, it wasn't necessary. I mean, it was at a game he was at, but it wasn't involving one of his parents. So you don't want to ever throw your parents under the bus. Sure. But this is a great way, as you said earlier, Danielle, when we were not recording at that point. I mean, X brought evidence. We can talk <laughs> about crazy parents. We can talk about <laughs> stuff we've done. But he he had visual of what happened, mm-hmm. and he got that obviously from his coach's wife, and she had her camera there. But you think about having that evidence. It's a lot. Sometimes our coaches may not hear us because we're a talking head sometimes. But when you have visual proof and you can say, this is an example that's taken place. Mm-hmm. How do you handle this? Or what would we do in this scenario? That visual is so much more powerful than just our words being spoken. Yep. That would, be, that would be a great one for the officials, too. Like you said, the officials let her walk right by as well. It was a timeout. Maybe they thought they were just taking a shortcut across. But that probably wasn't an appropriate thing for the official to be like, what are you doing out here? Stopping her at some point. Maybe, maybe not. Getting and then signaling over an administrator. So and she never even made it to the bench. Um, but, yeah, that's a well, valuable video. To bench, all right. tool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it could she have been, definitely did. <laughs> it could have been LL Cool J's mom, and she was walking over there saying, I said knock him out. <laughs> 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 no doubt. Yeah. So, like yeah. I said, just and like you said, just to get back to the point of the video, um, you know, we're definitely in a social media era. Um, video is is you know, there's always a video somewhere, and you know, coaches they love to elaborate things sometimes. But you know, so if my coach would have came and I wasn't there and try to explain to him, like, come on, you're pulling my leg. There's no way. And then being there and then having a video on top of that to be able to support what coaches could say, uh, what a valuable tool that, uh, you know, like you said, thankfully it wasn't one of our parents, 
Right. Uh, definitely show it and, and not get that. Hopefully I get them transferred to our school. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And I think about what did your coach and your players do? I mean, they had to be aware that that happened. I mean, they may have been in the timeout, but they had to be aware that she was out there and there was a disturbance a li- at least a little bit on the inbounds play because you see an official hold his hand up waiting for her to be cleared. What was the reaction of your kids and coaches at that point? Yeah, so you can actually see a little bit at the end of the video in which, I, uh, you know, coach is still with the kids and he, they're all standing up around them. And, uh, you know, they're getting ready to get back on the court because the timeout's about to end. But then you got mom that's coming across. And what I found very interesting, instead of going behind our bench, she went in between the, the bench and the court. And our coaches are on the court with the kids. And one of our assistant coaches is trying to actually just, you know, maybe take a seat. And he's like, uh-oh, crazy mom's coming through. You know, like, let me kind of get out the way. And, and our coaches did a great job in, in making sure that, you know, our kids weren't, you know, you know popping off or saying, ah, you know, hi, crazy. You know what I mean? So um, kudos to them. But, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a weird situation that uh, I can't make up. And she didn't. She didn't have vertical stripes on. She had horizontal stripes, <laughs> so she wasn't an official by any means. So, I mean, I think if I'm that official, I look at that thinking, "Sweet Moses, am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing right now?" Somebody walking across there, um, and it may have been like some of the previous episodes when we talk about streakers. You're just trying to process that. It doesn't right. really seek in when it happens. You're like, "What is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Am I really dealing with this?" Um, and because you don't want to overreact, right? Like you're, you want to want to absorb all the information. You want to overreact in the moment. And she yeah. wasn't popping off and going crazy, right. you know what I mean? You know, if she would have come come across the court screaming, um, you know, I think that the reactions would have been a whole lot different. And I think you know everything else would have moved a lot faster. But like you said, I think everybody was trying to process what the heck is going on right now. <laughs> is she really in a huddle? Is she trying to coach him right now? No. No. <laughs> she, gets, she gets like into it and then she rolls her sleeves up. <laughs> Indeed. So it's just, it just one of those weird things. Just happy to, you know, happy it wasn't our team. I can just. Uh, <laughs> and we talked about it with Daryl Vance. So much of our job is reaction. It's not, I mean, we, we can have a plan mm-hmm. and we can talk about a parent plan, but you think about that situation as it unfolds. You don't have a plan for mama coming across the court casually getting in the middle of your huddle. Um, you don't have it detailed to that point. You may have a plan of how you're going to deal with people that come on the court, mm-hmm. but not this specific scenario. So you don't have that plan. You've got to just react and say, okay. And I, I've got a life motto that I don't, in, I don't intercept a punch intended for somebody else. And I don't know what mama may have had on her mind, but I certainly don't mess with mama bear and poke that thing and say, hey, I. I'm not going to stir that pot any, but like you said, X, try to figure out a way to escort her away without having to touch her. You don't have to get physical. Just try to keep her from going on the path that she was intending to be on. Right. You know, playing a little, uh, you know, little man-to-man defense, uh, you know, obviously, right. you know, to try to, to steer her away from, you know, getting into the huddle. But yeah, coach is just like, hey, you know, might as well, you know, open the gates and get let it. Hey, come on in, join us. You know, if you have any you know, passionate words you can share with us, I mean, you might as well have done that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you could have trapped you know, you out of that a little bit sometimes too. You know, what I mean, you could have boxed her out so she couldn't get in. Could have worked on the 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 trap in the corner. 
could have had another <laughs> coach come and you just live that out. This is what I mean for you to do right here. So yeah, maybe uh, take a charge that way, you know, she can't come back to any more games. Right. <laughs> <Get over laughs> you know, you got to take that out. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm trying to find ways. I mean, I don't want to trespass anybody, but hey, you take one of my coaches out, you know, you got you got to get trespassed. I don't know. <laughs> you start thinking about that because everybody's got a camera at that point. Even when you take a charge, you may be moving. They may have to say that's a block and you're not able to do that. There's a teaching moment in that. But you think about some of that stuff. And even in that moment, everybody's got a camera. So if that had gotten physical, then, of course, that's on the news and everybody's seeing that. Where this scenario, it's on YouTube and you use it for your coaches now. But it didn't get physical. It didn't get violent. It was just a mom that was trying to make her point to kids that she thought should have been playing harder. A passionate mom, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? You know, who doesn't appreciate someone who's passionate about something? But if you really think about if she went a different direction, she could have gone sideways real fast. And now she's in front of all your kids. If she she could have slugged somebody, she could have, you know. You know, Monica Sellis, uh, you remember that back in the day? I yeah. mean, who knows? You, you just don't know. So I, I just wasn't thrilled, like I said, with those coaches, not just, just being like an open door to let her in do it. So like, I really wish they would have just, you know, kind of given her some guidance, like, hey, we understand. Hey, we'll talk to the kids. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Until until they got somebody over instead of just trying to point and say, hey, can you help me? Like, the, I, I just wish they would have taken more, more ownership. And that's something we talked about, too, was just, hey, protect our kids protect our kids and uh that could have gone south thankfully it did it and it was just a a a, a passionate discussion about playing harder uh, but it, it could have gone south and you just don't want to see those things go south especially in this day and age well and you talked about it early on in one of your administrative roles you don't want to take a left hook from something you don't know about Correct. And as an assistant coach your job is to help protect the head coach protect your kids and at some point that may mean hey i've got to just step in here and prevent this from happening this isn't the norm this isn't either the norm or the, is this allowed and at some point you've got to be able to take a stance and say hey we ain't gonna do this and maybe you just usher her out like you said and there's a coaching point uh, we, we always ask about takeaways and i think there's been a multitude of them that we've taken away from this story but as you look at that training for assistant coaches training for your head coaches training for your kids um training for administrators administrators to Absolutely. say hey here's an example and here's just throw it at them and say how could we have done this better how could we have dealt with this as an assistant coach how would you have dealt this we call it role play we may put them in a yep. scenario and say this is what happens how do you deal with that and i think that's an educational moment for a lot of people involved in this process and it's so funny because you know common sense I mean, when i showed it to our our, uh, our basketball coaches I'm like, hey, guys, what would you have done differently? Like, we want to let her in the huddle, coach. I'm like, okay, you know, common sense is yes. And if, you know, but who knows if we haven't talked about this, you might have been done the same thing. So, uh, like I said, again, teachable moment, and, and we learn from it, and we're going to move forward. And, uh, again, just thankful and blessed that it wasn't <laughs> with us uh, as well. Um, I do have another story if you want me to throw it out. Come on. All right. And, and this again. I'm not really giving you the funnies, you know, I know you guys look for the funny pieces, but um, th- this one for me was my last year's athletic administrator before I transitioned into the district athletic office. Um, our soccer team, our boys soccer team was one of the better teams. Um, in Vegas, we have five classifications and uh, we were in a preseason tournament 
uh, to one of the local high schools and we're playing against the school that had just won the 5A season tournament. And uh, we were a 4A team. We were really good. Uh, we had a team full of juniors and uh, our, our kids, we knew that we were going to be good and, and our kids knew that they were good. Um, and a great relationship with our coach. I had a great relationship with those kids. We went to Arizona for a tournament. You know, I was the administrator on duty. I'm driving a van. Um, so very well aware of all of our kids, especially the kids that are in athletics. It's funny, you know all your kids in athletics and you know all the bad kids on campus generally, and you know <laughs> them by first names. Uh, but uh, so in this situation, we had a preseason tournament again over there. We played against Las Vegas High School, which is a, the 5'8 uh, uh, state champ. And uh, they were up on us early, 1-0. And the match was very chippy, very chippy. Kids were chirping. And, uh, you know, we had some yellow cards that were flying. Um, so officials were trying to, you know, keep, keep the game under control. Um, with about 60 minutes left in the in – the, uh, not left, but had 60 minutes had gone by, so about 30 minutes left in the game, uh, we were able to score an equalizer. And that – Vegas was not happy because they knew that they were, you know, we, we were playing very well. We were challenging them and we wanted to beat them, obviously. And uh, we had just tied them up. So they weren't happy. So it's one to one. And one of the Las Vegas kids got real upset and so upset that he started MFing the official. And the official obviously does not appreciate being MF. What do you think he did? Bam, he throws up a card. And I, I can't honestly, I can't remember if it was yellow or red. Um, I, I think it ended up being a red. I can assure you of that <laughs> um, because the kid not only do MF, now he's, he goes and gets into the into the official's face and kind of like doing the pointing and the gesturing. And, you know, and the, it was a Hispanic uh, kid. And he, so he started kind of lacing some uh, some Spanish towards him as well. And there wasn't some very kind words. and. Then our kids think, you know, kind of getting caught up in the moment, start chirping with their kids even more. I'm like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. if we start getting to something because something that we didn't do. We just tied up a game against the 5A state champs. We got to get something figured out. So our coach was spot on. He jumped on the field immediately, pushed the kids to our kids to the sidelines. Mind you, as this is going on, some of the Vegas kids are over here trying to stop the Vegas kid from continuing to berate the official and get in his face. Um, so as that's, as this pandemonium is going on, I'm screaming at our kids. Screaming is a strong word, but I'm just like being real loud. Hey, all our guys, grab your stuff. We're getting, I want them off the bench. I don't want them on this field right now because the situation mm -hmm. is negative that I made them grab all their bags. The assistant coaches with me, our head coach stayed on the field and I pushed them all towards the, the East end zone and just we're getting away from the situation. This doesn't involve us. You know, once this, you know, once they can get this thing figured out, like we'll come back and play the last 30, but get us away from this. Their coach never got off his chair to stop the situation. If anything, our coach is going above and beyond to try to calm everything down, but we're more worried about our kids. So long story short, boom, kid gets ejected. Now the rest of the kids are upset. We got parents that are upset in the stands. It was just a very negative situation. And this is a semifinal game in this preseason tournament. So we needed a winner to figure out who was going to go to the finals. Um, and when it's a 1-1, one -one, <laughs> are we going to play the rest of this game? Or like, yeah. what's the problem? You know, 
Um, so kind of a, a, a negative situation. Again, another teachable moment that I'm writing, you know, notes mentally saying, hey, we're going to, if this ever occurs, here's our plan of action. Obviously, again, we've talked about the Delta Soul mom that went across the court um, and, and how our coaches should handle things. So our coach was, again, very good. His assistant coach was very good about making sure our kids were safe. Um, but anyway, game, game ends. Uh, they just call the game. Game is over. And we're like, well, what, what now? It's 1-1. Are we going to flip a coin? Like, how is this even fair? Um, so ended up finally that uh, the officials uh, met with the tournament directors. Instead of like, killing our game and saying it's over, uh, they gave us the win because of the situation. And we ended up winning the tournament, uh, so it ended up being pretty positive. But, uh, again, kind of a crazy situation. Again, uh, you would have told me about it. I'm like, all right, you're kind of overplaying us. But, nah, it was it was live. It was real. I'm so thankful Coach let me know about, hey, we're playing the 5A state champs. Really love to have you come out and support. Of course I want to come out and watch this game. And, man, thankfully I was there just to – you know, I don't, nothing would have changed for me not being there. I'm sure coach would have handled it. But like I said, I could see what I saw. And what's interesting is that the principal at the time who wasn't there used to be a former AP when I was a dean at, at the at Chaparral. So I was able to give him a phone call real quick. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. I'm not playing this over the top. <laughs> um, and he's like, OK, I'll get, you know, I'll take care of it. So, again, just, you know. I, like I told you at the very beginning, I want to know about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you need me to go in a away game, I'm happy to go in a away game. And so I think definitely having that communication with coaches is, is big. And I'm just happy that uh, I was able to witness a few situations that, I, I you know, you hear about being like, ah, oh, you know, you're over the top on this. But no, these situations occur. And you just need to have a plan of action and, and be ready to go when it does happen. You know, we – we had uh, three soccer matches this year. Uh, officials just walked off the field. Mm-hmm. Not us particularly, but three times in the state of Arkansas, officials just walked off the field. And the ruling was similar to what you just mentioned, Xavier. It was if the home team causes or whatever team causes the officials to leave, it's a forfeit for that team. So in essence, that team you were playing got the forfeit because their kid was acting the fool Um we were actually in one of those games and we were down six to nut or six to one. And we ended up getting the forfeit because their coach got a jag and the official just walked off the field and said, we're done. We call the game. There are seven minutes left and we ended up winning that game by forfeit. So it's a consistent theme that I, I, I'm reassured about that it's consistent, not just from Arkansas, but from state to state, they look at that and say, if you cause the game to be ended, then you forfeit. Yeah, as it should be. You right. Know what I mean, and and to hear that you had a, a a team that was up six to one, and coach couldn't stop chirping, and that he can just kind of put a muzzle on, like let me just get through these next seven minutes. Voice my displeasure, maybe after the game with the officials, or you know, or speak with your administrator, like which is the right thing to do, and say, hey, I have a concern about this official or this officiating. You know, you can't take that away from your kids. That's right. Crazy to me. That that's that's what blew my mind. I mean, the kids are up. Six to one. Um, obviously, we weren't going to win that game. There was no way we were going to score five goals to even tie that game. Um, in <laughs> seven in, minutes, in I find out. Seven minutes, but um, you know, just just the thought process, and it's a teaching moment for my coaches. Hey, no matter how bad the officiating is, you got to just make it through seven minutes or six minutes, whatever it is. Find a way to put a zipper on your mouth, get through those six minutes for the kids' sake. You can have a discussion afterwards, but 
don't be a fool out there and don't cost your kids a game and cost your kids. We talked about it early in this, this podcast. Don't cost your kids an experience because wins are precious. And to let those kids experience that. And you mentioned your dad in front of the Eiffel Tower with his hands up saying, hey, that, that's an experience for him. We don't right. need to cheat our kids of experiences either. No doubt. Couldn't, couldn't say it better. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And the thing is, is that, you know, in, in, in basketball, you know, you might get teched. You know what I mean? And then you just know, hey, I have my seatbelt on. I, I, I said my piece. I can't say anymore. I mean, you all already know, depending on who the official is, how much you can kind of push that official. And once you kind of get to that point, you, you need to back off a little bit. Because I understand trying to make it a point or, hey, you know, hey, you know, they're slide tackling a lot or just kind of, you know, whatever the situation might be. You just have to, you know, and your coaches, I'm going to say the other thing, your kids, they will work. They see how your coaches act and the way that they act often is how the coaches act. So when the mm-hmm. kid gets in trouble, you kind of have to assess that coach saying, hey, are these, are these the things that you do? Because that might be trying just an extension of you. Uh, so again, you know, just, uh, uh, trying to learn from these lessons of that, that experiences that we go through and, and try to expand and, and make it so that we can be better in the future. I'm a, I'm a quote, um, a little, remember the Titans. We've had Jim Harris on here from TC Williams high school. And they said, uh, you know, Gary Brashears and, and his linebacker partner talked about attitude reflects leadership. And sometimes that's a hard truth to swallow, but that's a great line from that movie about even that kid. That attitude, that kid thought that that was acceptable to be able to go to that point. Either the coach allowed it or he taught it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so one of those two things is happening with that kid. So I think about that quote from Remember the Titans, attitude reflects leadership. And that's what I tell our our coaches. Your kids are going to do what you do or what you allow. So make sure that you're teaching and pointing kids modeling how kids are supposed to respond or react. I couldn't, couldn't say it better. I think that's a great way to put it. You know, you gotta, gotta be an extension of the classroom, you know, and that's, that's a challenging thing too. When you have uh, coaches that come from off campus, that they don't have that experience on campus that they come in and they think that, Hey, you know what? Well, I'm just all about coaching and doing the X's and O's and, you know, this is how we kind of work, you know, at our site, you know, wherever they might be from. And we just have to be even more cautious when, when talking with them and like, hey, language, it's got to be appropriate. You know, we're here as, as an extension of the classroom. This is an extracurricular opportunity. Please make sure that, you know, everything you're doing and you're saying is appropriate. And uh, it's not, we're not buddy-buddy with, uh, with our kids and whatnot. So, yeah, for sure. So. Man, Xavier's dropped some truth from the start, from the jump, as they say, <laughs> until the very end of this deal. He's dropped a lot of nuggets. Um, we've covered LL Cool J and what that stands for. We've talked about Mad Mama and how you deal with that. We've talked about soccer gone crazy. We talked about bowling gone nuts. I mean, we've covered a whole we did lot. It all. Mm-hmm. And Xavier, I just want to say thank you for jumping on with us. And I know we get to meet via Zoom. Uh, I look forward to personally meeting you and having discussion with you and, and talking about things out in Las Vegas, um, learning some French from you. Um, <laughs> I, I can speak some Osage uh, Native American, but I, I can't speak French. Uh, I know a few things in French, but um, I, I'm excited just to learn from that from you. So just something. Um, okay. 
And even if it's, you know, to make fun of Throny, I'm all about that as well. <laughs> well <laughs> so I want to say yeah. thank you for jumping on here and appreciate your story. Appreciate your, your opening up and just being honest. I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas before, either one of you. Uh, but hey, come on down. Uh, you know, we need your tax dollars, and uh, you know, by all means, you know, drop you know, drop a few, you know, maybe at the roulette table, you know, however you might you know see fit. But I, I tell my wife they didn't build all those hotels because they were giving money away. <laughs> so, and yeah. they keep building, so that's uh, you know, that's big right there. That's the yeah, mathematically challenged. That's what Vegas is for those that are mathematically challenged. Go out there. Absolutely. At least on the yeah. strip. Not not so much in, in your world, Xavier. I mean, I want people to come hang out with you and learn from you, but stay away from the strip because they're they're building people or they're building those buildings with your money. Absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Xavier. It's been awesome to, you know, to speak with you and to hear your experiences. And um, we will be back next week with another episode. 